Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a very nerve-wracking Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am joined, as always, by Ruth. How are you doing, Ruth? Nerve-wracking. I think that's a good that's a good place to start. Yeah. It's it's early on a on a bank holiday Monday here, and uh, it's uh, it's too much time, and the nerves are kicking in too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is my concern. Is I feel like this might be a long week. I, I, I keep forgetting that we, we've also got a game on Wednesday to talk about. Is the is the thing that is kind of mm-hmm. sticking in my mind. So at least that'll that'll nicely break up the week. Um, I uh, I wanted to share a little uh, mild amusement story with with everyone today. Um, obviously, I hope that most of you follow us on Twitter. If you don't, you definitely should. Um, for the Champions League final on Saturday, um, I went to the pub to watch it with my wife. Long story short, that we had sp- supposed to have some other friends joining us as well, but they couldn't, unfortunately. Flights got cancelled last minute, so we still went to the pub anyway. And about 10 minutes in, my wife Joyce said she was so mind-blowingly bored. Um that she suggested doing a Twitter takeover. Uh, and I was just like, I, I think that might be quite an enter- entertaining idea. So um, if anyone wants to, I think you should go back and look at our Coleman Had a Dreams tweets on uh, on Saturday night. Mostly my wife's thoughts of the game, uh, involving a lot of French puns uh, and general confusion about what was going on uh, for 90 minutes. I was slightly wor- worried about your reaction, Ruth, but I think you're relatively <laughs> relatively positive. Oh, no, not relatively positive. I think it was hilarious. Um, I've only obviously only just caught up with it. Um, I was actually too busy watching the game on Saturday. Um, but the, um, I, I think some of her French puns are particularly good. Look out for the, the Eiffel Tower references. And, um, and you know, the, the way that she, you know, roots for the red team over the white team. And, and things. yeah, no, she, was, she was a star in the making, Dave. We've got to get her involved more often. Well, I think that. I, my main concern, though, was that Rob Phillips replied to her and, uh, and, and was complimenting on how amusing he found the whole thing. I, I don't think I've received, you know, many too many positive uh, messages from Rob. So the fact that my wife's got one on her first attempt, I was uh, very disappointed. So hopefully next time, Rob, uh, as, as, I, as I think Rob does listen, um, that uh, maybe next time you can, you can, you know, just send me a Ruth a nice message as well just to make us feel better if the, if the next request we get from BBC Radio is for Joy to go on instead of one of us I'm going to be very very disappointed um, anyway um, also uh, just a bit of uh, mild uh, amusement it was I've mentioned that I've been going to watch Ado Den Haag um, recently uh, well obviously all season but like yesterday was the playoffs uh, the playoff final um, on Tuesday, we drew 1-1 with Excelsior, scored a 93rd minute equaliser. So the game, the second leg back at, uh, at our stadium here uh, yesterday was kind of all set up to be very exciting. And 46 minutes in, Ruth, do you know what the score was? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it didn't go well. Did oh, no. Not? At 46 minutes, Ruth, it was absolutely terrific. We were 3-0 up with uh, 46 Oof. minutes played. And even when the clock ticked into 78 minutes, we were still 3-0 up. Um, some one of our players got sent off. I don't even know what he was trying to do. I think he handballed the ball on the floor. It was very surreal. He got sent off, <clears throat> went on to concede three goals before the end of normal time. Um, so we went to extra time, and in extra time, we went 1-0, uh, like a goal up, 4-3 on the day. Um, needless to say, they then equalised as well. Game went to penalties. And despite being 3-0 up, with 12 minutes set, taking us from the Eredivisie, uh, we end up losing uh, on penalty shootout. So the eighth round of penalties. Um, oh, and uh, it was it was a it was a mad mad day at three nil up. We were like talking about trips we're going to go on next season, and like mm-hmm. the party was in absolute full swing. 
uh, absolute horrible scenes afterwards. Like some of the home fans, absolute morons, kind of got onto the pitch and were throwing flares at the away fans. It turned very nasty very, very quickly. It was the, the, it was just a horrible end, and it was. I'm only laughing because we got kind of got back to our local pub afterwards just to have a bit of a what's the word? Have a bit of a debrief, I suppose. And we just kind of walked in, <laughs> and it was like it was like we'd walked into a funeral. The whole bar was completely <laughs> silent, pretty much. People like patting each other on the back as everyone got in, like, how are you doing? How are you doing? I was just like, oh, God. It was absolutely... I've been to a lot of disappointing football matches in my life, but uh, this one was was right, right up there. And it has not put me in a good space mentally ahead of ahead of this week of weeks. Um, I joke that I've, you know, uh, if, if these either of these games had gone to penalties, I think I would have cried. Um, I... If compared to how I felt yesterday, I cannot imagine <laughs> what <laughs> what I would feel like. Oh, and I'm sure I speak for everyone, uh, what I would feel like if we go to penalties on Sundays. Something I really don't want to think about, for honest truth. I, I mean, I'm trying to find the silver lining. I'm just hoping that means you've you know you've had your brush with penalties. What happened yesterday? But oh my god, what a roller coaster day! Three nil, and then up in extra time as well. Yeah, God, uh, it was. As I say, I've been to, I've been, I've seen my fair share of disappointment as a Wales and Newcastle fan over the years. Um, but to be in that position, twelve minutes to go, three nil up. Yeah. Oh my god! I came in last night and like, <laughs> and my, I was speaking, I was speaking to Joy, and she was like, "Oh, how was the game? I saw they were three nil up," and I was just like, "Please." Please, God, tell me you found out what the final score was rather than just assumed we've won. Um, but no, no, she hadn't. She just assumed we'd won. So uh, so that was great. Anyway, um, we are not here to talk about disappointment. Um, we are here to hopefully talk about a glorious week in the history of Welsh football. Um, we're going to talk about the squad and everything else. Um, have you got a plan for where you're going to watch the game on Sunday, Ruth? Um, I think I'm going to have to hit one of the local coffee shops because it's 9am here and they weren't, you know, the bars aren't going to be open. Yeah. So I think it's going to be, you know, croissant and a cappuccino time. For the, oh, God. <laughs> maybe I can make an Irish coffee on the fire yeah. or something, but I think that's how I'm going to have to watch it. Um, but to be honest, it's, I haven't really, I've, I'm still trying to work out how I'm watching the Poland game at the minute. So then I'll put my efforts into um, how I'll watch Sunday's game. Yeah, I I don't know how you can even begin to contemplate watching watching this game uh, without alcohol. I'm gonna I'm gonna level with you. Um, so credit to you. You're a, you're a better person than me. Um, obviously the the, the squad was announced uh, last week, the nineteenth. Um, uh, and since then we've obviously had a, a flurry of kind of other games which we will get onto. But um, I think all told there weren't really many surprises in that squad, were there? No, I mean it was obviously. Pleasing to see Broadhead included, and then unfortunate he's had to pull out. But I think you know it's a sign. Um, I thought the replacement call-ups once Broadhead pulled out were interesting. I mean, we discussed Wes Burns. I think it was the last podcast, wasn't it? And yeah. how well he's been doing for Ipswich, and he if he deserved uh, deserved a call-up. And I, I imagine you're you're pleased to see him there. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think he deserves a shot, and I think in a squad of this size, with you know five games in a relatively short space of time, is a lot. So I'm, 
I know. I think it's good for him to have the opportunity and be and be around the squad. I agree with you about Broadhead. I was surprised at first, disappointed he's pulled out. He's clearly got potential, mainly as I'd put together quite a good blog about him uh, from the guys from <laughs> Roker Report. So I was disappointed that that lasted four days before he was pied off. But we'll save that for another time and pretend it's new. Um, yeah, I, I um, yeah, I think the main one for me um, is Tom Lockyer. We're not exactly blessed with huge numbers especially with Ben Cabango being being injured at the moment as well so I was surprised he didn't get in even more so that when then Oliver Denham who was the guy who was called up uh, one of the late call-ups as well um, was a centre-half so I was a bit disappointed with that I was surprised even because he's had a great season for, for Luton I think Tom Lockyer has been a key part of, of their run to the playoffs so I was a bit disappointed well maybe not disappointed but surprised given the amount of games that we have that he didn't get the nod that it's a weird one for me that because um, Burns for Broadhead Broadhead seems a more obvious just kind of like I mean swap as it were and then Denham feels like the extra call up doesn't he yeah and I I find it interesting that one they wanted extras in the squad that might have perhaps been because of the way the playoffs played out you know perhaps we ended up with more players involved in the playoffs for longer than perhaps they were anticipating um but i find it interesting that they called up a, a center back and it wasn't tom lockyer that they called up and whilst in most squads i can see i mean we've had this conversation before that generally you're perming from maybe 15 or 16 players most of the time in reality and the next uh the next 10 or so in this size squad are, are are there for, you know, squad purposes and for a bit of depth and particularly for experience for the youngsters. So I can see how bringing in Denham under, under a more normal circumstances, set of circumstances would, would be about just having him in the, in the environment and, you know, give him in a nudge, see what he's about, see how he adjusts, see what he brings to the table. But in this particular set of games, with with so many important games so congested, I do find it strange that we haven't we haven't brought in Lockyer just for that extra little bit of experience when you know you're going to be putting out a, a, effectively B teams, when you know that everybody in this squad is probably going to see some game time at some point, which generally isn't the case in a more normal two or three game uh, window. Yeah, true. I I do wonder if part of the decision making was you know based on on that fact that maybe Lockyer had had a long season, maybe got a couple of knocks, and if you're going to bring someone in that's going to be there for experience or just to have one or two games or time in one or two games rather than even one or two full games, maybe the logic was <laughs> Lockyer is going to be knackered. There's no point dragging him to Portugal and round about the place when he's realistically not going to start. Maybe let's, you know, let him have a bit of a breather after a long season. He's maybe got a couple of knocks and it'll be more beneficial for Denham to come in and play 10 minutes here and there if we need him than it is for Lockyer to, to be kind of kept around for, for that purpose. It was, it was the only kind of logic I got to. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm unconvinced. I can, I can see if he's carrying a knock or two and just needs the time over the summer. You're, eleng- you're elongating the season by a month here, basically, aren't you, for yeah. him? So I can see if, if that is the case, then that makes some sense. I couldn't see what the sense was without knowing, you know, if there's a physical issue here with him. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And, you know, uh, Paige, I thought some of his wording was interesting when he was talking about the players he's picked and he's talking about loyalty uh, 
rewarding the loyalty, if you like, of those players. So maybe there's also a side issue um, with Lockyer. Maybe Lockyer's had to pull out when he didn't, when Page maybe didn't think he would. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, you could find a million reasons, but I do. I, I did think. I did think that was interesting. Wes Burns, like I say, I'm, I'm glad he's there. I hope he'll get some game time. I think that kind of goes into the consideration, really. I guess is the word for the for the Poland game. Like we've had a message from. Um, Galois was in France um, saying, <laughs> is this the chance for you and me, Ruth, to get our, our international debut against Poland? <laughs> uh, well, perhaps, perhaps more for you than me. <laughs> I, I, to be honest with you, Ruth, the way I played the last time I played football, I think you might be better shout getting you, uh, getting you, <laughs> you getting your shin pads on. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting game, isn't it? I think that obviously it's, it's an important game for us in the sense that I think there's some people that need to get minutes. And Rob Bell has asked us an interesting question there. Um, what players do we, uh, are kind of in contention, if you like, to, to start on Wednesday? We are going to, we'll kind of go into this in a bit more detail, but I think it's a really interesting question because I, I think whoever the goalkeeper is on Wednesday is the goalkeeper that will be on Sunday. Um, I think some of our defenders will start, who will also start on Sunday, like Joe Rodden, for example. I think he'll start. But then it's a bit of a balancing act there between people like Kiefer Moore, Nico Williams, as, as Rob pointed out, who are fit, but also haven't played for probably about a three months, uh, three months, three weeks, sorry. So do they need some extra match time to get them sharp or is training enough? It's an interesting balance, actually, when you actually think about it, isn't it? Yeah, I have, I have a real dilemma with this because part of me is like just cotton wooled a lot of them. You know, we, we'll, we'll get on to who we think's starting on Sunday, but I don't think we'll be arguing more than about 13 names, perhaps 13 or 14 names at most. And part of me is just like, we'll just cotton wool those guys and, you know, who we send out against Poland is who we send out against Poland. Yeah. I can see the argument about the goalkeeper in particular. I think whoever is, in, is starting on Sunday at least needs a half on yeah. Wednesday, if not a whole game. Um of the starters, the anticipated starters for Sunday, I think perhaps Rodden is the most likely to get some game time on Wednesday against Poland. Yeah. Um, I think I think just because he has paid so little football, um, when it comes to people like Moore or Nika Williams, as you mentioned, and for that matter, Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey, who haven't played that much either, I think... I think that might be more about individual decisions and who individually feels that they need the need the run out. Um, and, you know, I think Nico perhaps might feel more inclined for that, and someone like Gareth less. I don't know, but I think it's going to be. Um, I think predominantly we're going to have very much a B team out against Poland with perhaps the exception of the the goalkeeper and Rodden. And it wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if if that's all we see on Wednesday. Yeah. What we might consider the first the first team. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think a lot of it and also who will get time as the game goes on will also depend a lot on how the game is going. 
I think at 4-0, mm-hmm. let's say we're 4-0 up or 4-0 down, I think at that point, the outcome of the game is decided one way or the other. I'd, I'd have no problems giving Amon Ramsey 20 minutes to kind of run around a bit then. I think that'd be fine. Whereas if it's a bit of needle and it's 1-1 and tight, for example, then yeah. I think I think it, it changes the questions. So I, I think that's the big thing. Kiefer Moore is an interesting one for me because I, I personally don't think he'll start on Sunday. So I could see Kiefer Moore getting a bit of time uh, and, and starting the mm-hmm. game, starting the game potentially. Um, and I think... Someone like Nico, I'm less bothered by. I think if he if he can play, he'll play. I, I don't. He's someone I'm not too concerned about injury wise. I suppose you, you know you do only need a, a bad touch or a bad hit, and you know you, you could hurt yourself. Mm. That, that can happen in training too. So um, I think if the, if those players feel like they need minutes, then great. But I feel like especially moving further up the team, there's less risks going to be taken. Like Allen, uh, Morel, Ramsey, Bale, James. I I, I don't think any of them will start possibly even Wilson no. possibly even Wilson I don't think Brennan Johnson will start given he's just finished his season in the playoff final yeah. I, I would say the same about Zorba Thomas as well so maybe Reese Norrington Davis might get some game time out there maybe even Chris Gunter as well um, I could even see Johnny Williams getting a start um, so mm-hmm. uh, that's the way I'm kind of more inclined to go but I do think Rodden I think Hennessy will start he was talking about loyalty so I think Hennessy will start um, and I think he'll be the starter on Sunday as well. And then from there, it'll just be a mishmash. I don't know. I, I think I think Paige might be more more loyal to Ward, actually. I think there's more of a, perhaps a relationship there, um, particularly after the Euros. Do I wonder you- when you say when he's being loyal, I wonder whether he's actually more taken with Ward. As his guy, yeah, I, um, it's I, a it's a nice dilemma in that sense. I, do you think though that maybe his obviously I know no one's kind of played much recently. Hennessy has more, I suppose, but marginally. Do you think that the mm-hmm. fact that he is coming back from injury might be the thing that kind of waves him? Because it's one thing I know he did to get some game time in a in a game at the end of the season ward, but you know it doesn't really. I don't know. I don't know. I I do think his injury might kind of play into that mindset a little bit of do we want to risk someone who's just on their way back from an injury. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an, that's an evaluation, isn't it? And I, 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 I'm not... I think the important thing is that Wednesday is not like an audition. They're not given a half each with whichever of you does better in these halves, you're going to start on Sunday. I think that's a very unsettling scenario, and I don't think that would be the scenario. Um, I think it's important that even if the time is shared on Wednesday, they both go in knowing who the kind of the main man for Sunday is going to be. Um, and I, I'm not overly concerned about whoever it is. I don't think either of them have ever particularly let us down. Um, I think your comment about loyalty is interesting, but I think Paige, that might mean Ward in Paige's eyes. Yeah, it is an interesting one. And like, I think we've said this a couple of times before, to all intents and purposes, I don't think it matters either. Like, really. Um, So I I think that's, it'll just be, you know, he'll obviously have decided that already, I'd imagine, which way round he wants to do that. And I think looking further ahead on Sunday, I think, as I say, do you agree that whether others get game time, let's say Bale gets 20 minutes on Sunday, well, that will depend, mm-hmm. depend on how the game's going. Because I do think, yeah, okay, we're all saying this doesn't matter and, and the, big, the big one is on Sunday. And that is true. But once you would kind of admit to that or commit to that, if you like, 
you've then got three other games which do then kind of become important, especially if things don't go our way on Sunday, God forbid. So I do think there has to be an element of we're taking this seriously. And I, it's almost a, sh- a shame, really, in a way, that these po- this Poland game is the first game because I think it would have been, if we're looking at kind of getting a, a positive result here in terms of staying in the top tier of the Nations League, then I think the, the two Poland games are our, our most important games in in haven't been able to accrue points in that way so it's almost a shame that we have to I don't want to say write it off but you know very have a very different approach toward this game than we would have if it was if it was someone else yeah I mean I think if you were just looking at the four games the just the Nations League four games that we'd anticipated originally this this is the one where we perhaps would have hoped to have got a point at least a point away and in Poland and perhaps taken three against them at home come the autumn and then both Poland and and Wales take our chances against the Netherlands and Belgium and and see what happens but almost be I mean I don't want to put this down but almost be just assuming that the relegation place is probably you know just just from this from the stats and the and the rankings going to end up as a Poland versus Wales thing and so I I agree with you I think in the context of the Nations League it's unfortunate that it's a game that under normal circumstances might have been the most important of the series um, is is effectively from our point of view going to become a B game Um, I think I think it is what it is I think Sunday is so important it can't be anything else that doesn't mean it's, it's not unfortunate but I don't think it can be anything else and I think we are our starting 11 is so is and, and you know there may be some variables around the 11 but our starting 11 has to be protected i think be, because of the importance of sunday's game i'm with you it wouldn't surprise me if we see a few people for run out purposes and i i also agree with you i think that very much depends on what's happening in the game but i would be surprised if we if we aren't you know two, three nil down, as you say, with 20 minutes to go and not not contributing very much to the game. And it becomes more of an exercise of who wants a little bit of a run out. Yeah, I think that's the case. And I, I, I do think it's going to be interesting from their perspective as well, because a lot of their players will have had big seasons, especially looking ahead at the Belgium game, for example, later in the window. Kevin De Bruyne <laughs> has already come out today and said he wishes he wasn't playing these. These are glorified friendlies. So I do think there's, in, in the Dutch squad and the uh, the Belgian squad especially, these players who've had late, long seasons, if you like, final, you know, getting to a cup final, for example, mm-hmm. Um the, the league title went down to the last but one game, I think, for Ajax. So their players would be involved. Obviously, you've had other players um, who are playing in domestic cup competitions uh, as well So um, for their club. So I, I do think that there's there'll be an element of a bit of a, a rotational look uh, toward a lot, yeah, of, I wondered, to a lot, I, lot of teams. I also wondered whether the Poles might approach that a little our game on Wednesday a little bit that way, no, knowing that we are invariably going to come into the game sort of undercooked. And they know that they've got, you know, three three more games, combination of Belgium and, and the Netherlands, whether they may approach Wednesday's game as, you know, somewhat of a sort of warm-up game for, for the Dutch and the Belgium games, as it were. Not that they won't take it seriously, but whether it's the one game in the four that lets them be a little experimental and lets them 
um, save some legs. You know, perhaps yeah. that might work in our favour ultimately. Uh, but I, I still think it's a, it's a game we're we're just writing off, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree really, and I, and I, like I say, I think it's going to be interesting because they, they've got a very good record of late, especially at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've only lost one game to Hungary um, at home uh, since, since the Euros. I think is what I saw. Um, so you know, they're they're a strong, they're a strong side, especially at home. Um, so I'm intrigued to see, you know, how they set up. Like I say, because I, it won't be their. I don't, you know, I think you're probably right. It won't be their full strength squad, um, but. We are obviously wittering nicely here, desperately avoiding <laughs> um, the uh, the real quiz, um, which is obviously Sunday. Um, we're doing a preview now, which is in classic Coleman Had a Dream, ever so slightly pointless on the basis that we don't know even which of the two teams we'll be playing. Um, we'll start with the easy question, Ruth. Before you know, we we are coming to predictions later, so you can have your little tantrum now uh, as we build to that uh, in a little bit. But um, what what if you were going to have a tenor on Scotland or Ukraine? here who are you betting on oh it's actually really difficult it's a really difficult one because i think i think scotland's home advantage may ultimately be what decides this um in their favor although emotionally and kind of in terms of the world being behind them as it were oh a big chunk of the world being behind them. You, you can see how the Ukrainians go in with a lot of kind of goodwill and support and and storylines, a storyline, that's, that's a bad phrase, but storylines like theirs, tales like this, they they often just do keep going, don't they? The, the, the kind of backs against the wall mentality, which I'm sure they'll have very understandably, goes a long way. Um, I I think fundamentally I would find it difficult to back against Scotland just because of the home issue. I mean, I suppose my biggest hope is that it becomes a really tight, dogged, hard, they knock each other about, take, you know, take... uh, Nothing nasty, but you know, t- take uh, full advantage of for us of, of playing 120 minutes and some penalties and all the emotions that go with that, and just really turn it into a bit of a ding dong and and hope that that that, that helps us in the sense that they've just had a really hard get on Wednesday. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I, I think that is the biggest thing for me, to be perfectly honest. In this, is the fact that they will whoever comes through will be knackered either physically or emotionally even if it's just a 90 minute game I think it will be tight I think it will be dogged I think it will be very competitive I don't think there'll be much quality of football on display either um I think what I I find hardest about it in a just in a purely football sense is I, I I feel like like you say there's a lot of support for Ukraine a lot of um love for them and, and rightly so given the, what they're going through but if we look at it in a purely mm. footballing sense there's only about four of their players who actually play who have been playing regularly you know this this will be for a lot of their players this will be their first competitive football match in in really long time not just internationally just at all and they've played a few friendlies mm-hmm. they played um Borussia Mönchengladbach I think so or was it Dortmund actually I can't remember one of the Borussia it was Mönchengladbach it was Mönchengladbach 
Um, so they played recently, yeah. I, and I and I think you know that's all well and good, but that is that wasn't a full-blooded match um, for a place in the World Cup on the line. So I, I think it's very different, and I think ultimately, who, whoever wins there is going to be knackered come come the Sunday, and I and I think that the lack of legs will probably be the thing that stops Ukraine getting across the line. I think Scotland at mm-hmm. home with everything that comes with that, I think will be very interesting um, and very, you know, it's not going to be a pretty game to watch. I don't think, is it? Um, so <laughs> for, for my, for my money, I, I think like, I agree with you. I, I don't think I would bet against the Scots, um, but let's, let's have a quick look at, at you know, at Scotland recently um, because their form is actually really impressive. When we look back at, you know, teams we've played and we're playing, they've drawn with Austria, drawn with Poland, they beat Denmark, beat Moldova. I think they haven't lost for a while. They have had some tight wins, you know, scrape past Pharaohs 1-0, scrape past uh, Israel 3-2. But again, if you just keep going back, they beat the Austrians again. Then they beat the Moldovans. The last time they lost a game um, was on the 1st of September 2021 to Denmark. You know, that's really, really impressive. So, you know, for all the things, and they'll be tired and whatnot, this, I think they're a, they're a, a, they are a strong, a, a very strong team in a lot of ways. I think the Scots, and I think it's, if we do end up having to play them again, that's when I hope it goes to extra time. Is because I think they are going to be very difficult to break down. I think the more that they've been through, the better. I've, I don't this sounds mm-hmm. stupid. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm asking for very specific things here, but. I also wouldn't want them to win on penalties either. If they're going to win, I want them to win in extra time. I'd imagine that winning on penalties, that must be such an emotional thing that would probably give you an extra 10% of energy to kind of keep you going if you needed to, that, you know, give you a real shot. So I would like them, if they're going to win, I would like them to win in extra time, which is very specific. But um, <laughs> I, I, I would I would like that. And I think that's where my money would go at the moment. If we, what about Ukraine? Do you, do you think, do you give them much of a shot? I actually think the fact that they've had this long training camp that they're obviously very together. Um, they'll be they're very drilled in that sense. Um, they've got a little bit of star power that you know kind of gets sprinkled on top. Uh, people will be for you know familiar with Yeremchuk um, and you know other other players that have been playing in in Europe. Um, I think. I I think I still find it difficult to go against the Scots because I I I, I think that home crowd is going to be so crucial to them and they've made it very crucial to them and as you say they they they've been very consistent for the for the last twelve months and I think the Ukrainians for obvious reasons have been a little hit and miss even back in the autumn they were slightly hit and miss in their games um, and I think. Uh, I I think the the build up for them may be possibly an advantage in the I'm trying to find advantages for the Ukrainians now in the sense that they've had a very long camp and they've been very together and they have been playing games admittedly not competitively whether the season and the length of the season might just start to show in in you know in the legs of the Scottish players but ultimately, I find I find it difficult to make a case for the Ukrainians beating Scotland. Um, 
I, I mean, I, what's difficult is obviously their 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 kind of recent form is difficult to take into account to an extent. Yeah. But I, you know, you've also yeah. got to give them respect in looking at their recent results. They've drawn with the French, and they drew with the Czech Republic. But then you go into that, they've also drawn with Kazakhstan and Bulgaria, who are not exactly world mm. superpowers. So there's there's a there's that element to it as well i think they're very tight they're going to be hard to break down i think that's going to be their thing i think if scotland score against them scotland score first i think scotland win um i don't see the mm-hmm. ukrainians having two goals in them um i think that's what it'll come down to and i think their lack of creativity is the thing like you you talked about some of their attacking players uh before there and sinchenko's another one for example who's been playing for manchester city but I think that a lot of their threat are not is not up front, if you know what I mean. They've got these good, talented players elsewhere in the pitch. I think both the teams have obviously got strong midfields with not quite as much happening up front. Um, I wonder if they may sort of cancel each other out a little bit. Yeah. Be very dogged, uh, pretty even on possession. The Scots are good at hassling, getting the ball back, and then going on quick breaks, and perhaps it's that sort of, uh, you know, that that's that sort of moment that might create something for them. Wouldn't surprise me if it's a one-nil game in either direction, as you, as you've said. Um, so I keep coming back to it. I can't bet against the Scots. Yeah. In no, this game, I'm, Dave, I, 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 that's that's where I see and I think it's the home advantage is I think they're pretty close actually on paper as teams and I think the home advantage is going to pay off for the Scots yeah I would tend to agree um to to focus on us uh in this game mm-hmm. I do think our kind of starting 11 uh, will pretty much pick itself I think there's potential you know conversations as there were ahead of the Austria game about someone like Harry Wilson for example but I think in reality uh, now we're looking at really everyone being full strength I think if you that maybe the debate about the goalkeeper won I would go for Hennessy I'm not sure if you would go for Ward but then beyond that I think our back three will be Rodden, Ampadu, Davis, Williams and Roberts as the full-backs, the two Joes in the middle, Ramsey as a 10, and then Bale and James up front. I, I don't really think there's too much kind of debate over that, right? So you're you're sacrificing Wilson compared to the Austria game? I just think, that yeah, I, I think we were just a bit too open in midfield. And I think this is also going to be a bit more of a battle. And I think mm-hmm. we need to have those two holding midfielders as, as, as a starting point, as something to build on, and then from there be able to kind of grow into the game. And if that means that uh, Brennan Johnson can come off the bench or Moore can come off the bench or Wilson can come off the bench, then so be it. But what I don't want to be is in a position where we're reacting to going behind or something, for example rather than us kind of taking control of the game, see if we can take advantage of being at home and all those other things and kind of try and be on the on the front foot a bit more whilst having a bit more of a solid base is, is my kind of assessment of it, if that makes sense. Okay, I think you and I are on the same page in that I would kind of morph how we started against Austria and how we started against Belgium. Um which means, like, if you look at how we were lined up for Belgium, you'd bring Ampadu in instead of Mepham. You'd bring Bale in instead of Moore. But otherwise, the team is what you just you just outlined. Yeah, I mean, so it's you know, yeah. and but but uh, my gut reaction is, I think Paige is going to stay with the the starting eleven against Austria, and that worries me because I think 
Scotland's, let's assume, just for argument's sake in a minute, let's assume it's Scotland that get through. I think their central midfield in particular is strong. And I think we would be overrun quite relatively easily if we don't have some strength there. So my choice is the same as yours. My fear is that Paige favours how we set up against Austria. Do you not think, though, that the reason we set up the way we did against Austria is because Morel was suspended? And I think then that opens up the, the, the potential change in that circumstance. If we hadn't seen Levitt playing as well as he did, I can't remember what game it was, but there was a couple in the, in the autumn where he played well. And he, I don't think he would have been as a concerning substitute for Joe Morrell as he may, as we may have thought six months earlier. So I just find it interesting. I think there's a, I think there's an argument. I think there's merit in your argument, Dave, that it was, it was due to Morrell's suspension and Wilson has more experience and da 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 da. It just concerns me that how that game, how that game looks as a result is not how that game felt in its during its uh, during the course it, of the game. during the actual play yeah. yeah and so i'm a little bit concerned that 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 we that we don't actually look at where the problems were in the austria game where we where we had concerns despite how the you know the score ended up yeah i agree and uh... Having watched it back, not I haven't watched the full. Well, I did watch the full game back actually, but not for mm-hmm. a while. Anyway, I've watched the kind of the full highlights again before we we kind of spoke. You know, they had some real chances there, especially in that first ten mm-hmm. minutes. We were wide open. I think I I said to you afterwards because we only had one holder, one person was coming out into the gap, if you like. Um, yeah, and, and that created a hole in the in the centre defence, and that's where they got that first chance from. It happened a couple of other times, but man, we managed to kind of scramble defend away. And I and I hope that everyone has kind of looked at that again and gone, yeah, okay, we can't do that, we can't do that again. And and then common sense will will dictate that I think, in my opinion, anyway, it'll be Joe Morrell. But I I do think that it's an inter- again, it's an interesting one because it's it's probably the only tactical decision, realistically, or the mm-hmm. only kind of pl- playing staff decision that Rob Page has as well. So I, I think I think that I find that interesting. Um, and I do think as well, the positive, if you like, of going this way is that our game changers are all to come then, whether it's Moore or yeah. Wilson or Johnson or Zorba Thomas or whoever you want to name, our game changers are still to come. And I think that is also really important as well. I also think that we need to have a little bit in reserve because I do think it's going to be a long game. It's going to be a difficult game. And similarly to the, the like we were talking about this, the Scotland-Ukraine game, I think one goal wins this. I think whoever scores first will end up winning, be it 1-0, 2-1, whatever. I think whoever scores first will win the game. Um, and it'll be, you know, I've said 5-0 there, obviously. That's my dream. But um, I, I, I think, I, you know, I think that it will be, it'll still be a, it'll be a tight game for sure. Um, I don't think anyone's going to send it off and run away with it. I think the fact that, that we will presumably have fresher legs and can bring fresher legs off the bench might be really important. I think that's another reason why I'm in favour of having Morel in the centre, having two Joes in the centre, is so that we can hold and hold and know that we can spring Brennan Johnson or Harry Wilson 
or Kiefer Moore or all of the above onto the Scots with 20 minutes to go. I, I, I That makes me feel more comfortable just as a thought of how the game yeah. may flow than going in as open as we were against the Austrians. I think we could we could be 2-0 down 25 minutes in if we're not yeah. careful. No, I can see that. I can see that. And like, you know, if the, uh, the you know, the thing that worries me about worries me about the Austria game is a they've obviously had that chance to go one up and they've hit the bar and they should have scored. They should have been one <laughs> yeah. up. And then, you know, and I know it can happen, but the the first goal is not something that's particularly well worked or whatever it's it's an absolute wonder goal from the top draw the second goal is you know credit where credit's due but we found ourselves mm-hmm. two nil up just after half time in that game and yes we had chances on the break then second half but i you know i don't think we were creating loads and i um and i guess that is probably where the the thing comes in for for rob page in the sense that he wants to be have that creative side and that's maybe why he'd go with one holder i don't know because we i, I do think we lack that but I mean, we're talking ourselves in circles here, but I, I think I think it's it's very very difficult. I, I think there are times when you have to be conscious of what the opposition bring. You can't be dogmatic about you what you want to put on the table. You have to be conscious of what they're bringing, and either of those teams is going to bring a very strong central midfield, and we have to be mindful of that. We can't go into this naively. No, I, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Now, obviously, Ruth, I know you are. Um, not a fan of our predictions game um <laughs> and i i keep bullying you into doing it every time mainly for my own amusement to be honest because uh last time you had a wonderful uh, little tantrum uh, when i asked for your prediction so i'm i'm hope- i'm hoping for more of the same this time so ruth uh what is your prediction for well we'll i'll tell you what be let's be nice we'll start with wednesday first and then we'll go on to sunday on wednesday i think we'll just get beaten 2 0. I don't think there's, and, and I think we just have to go with that and accept it. I think that the polls are going to want this game more than we are, and, and I haven't got a problem with that. I think it's unfortunate, but I haven't got a problem with it. Going on to Sunday's game, when we played Austria, I said that we'd, we'd lose in extra time, and I, the superstitious one in me and there's there's a reason I, I find it very difficult to publicly back us um, so I'm going to I'm going to go with the same because it helped in March and uh, I think I think there's a difference between the prediction in your heart and the prediction in your head if that makes sense um, and so obviously I know what result I would like to see but I know equally what th- what sort of numbers I'm prepared to share publicly and the the kind of um, the karma that comes with that. So I'm go- I'm going to say we lose in extra time. Oh fucking hell! Um, I... <laughs> um, but that's just, that's just about the karma of it, you know. <laughs> no, I understand. I understand. I I think we'll draw on on Wednesday. I think it'll be a, a dull nil niller. I think everyone will be tired. It'll take a little bit of time to get going. I don't really think anything happened. I think it'll be a nil nil. I'll get and I'd be absolutely delighted with a point there. I think it keeps the Nations League ticking over in a good way with a positive start. I don't think we'll want to lose that game. I mean, you don't want to lose any game, but the whole thing of I don't care. I, I don't really think is that true because I do think 
you want to be in a positive mindset ahead of what is a, a massive game, even if it kind of doesn't matter. I agree, and it's going to—it's going to matter to the players that are on the pitch. I'm not—I don't doubt that they'll give a hundred percent. I just think focus has been so on Sunday that I don't think they will be as equipped as we would like them to be if we just had the four games and not the fifth. I mean, you're probably right. I, I, my only other thing I wonder is that I think there's probably a lot of people who are on the fringes who want to be the first taxi off the rank, if you like, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So if we do make changes or things do happen, there's probably people out there who are desperate to press, impress, sorry, so yeah. that if we do make changes, they can be the people who will come in and make an impact. So I do think that there is that angle as well. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at Sunday, it's, it's so hard you know, to, to make these kind of predictions in a game that matters so much to us and a game that we so desperately want. And the reason I told the story at the start of the pod today about yesterday and the match and all of that, I felt like I, I can't explain to you how I felt. And I don't know how many people who are listening have kind of been involved in a penalty shootout for, for a big prize uh, that, that matters mm-hmm. for your team. I went to the away game right on Tuesday night and we scored a 93rd minute equaliser and Ado were absolutely rubbish for 92 and a half minutes <laughs> and it was carnage and then we equalised and it was absolute pandemonium like I can't I would be mortified if everyone ever shared a video of what, because I can't imagine what, I, I must have looked like I was having some sort of mental breakdown. Just absolute carnage. And people talk about the words limbs. This was limbs. The humans were everywhere. My mate Tom, like, just jumped down the step in front of me and he just disappeared. I just don't know where he went in the midst of all the celebrations. And afterwards, I kind of, like, everyone could calm down a sec. The ref blew the final whistle and... I can't explain it to you, and I'm sure you felt it, but I felt like this wave of emotion, like, just drain me. And mm-hmm. I just kind of just popped my, popped my ass down on the, on the terrace, and this woman came up to me, and she was like, are you all right? And I must have looked mad, because I, <laughs> I, I screamed so much, my face was bright red, and I was, I was physically out of breath. Like, I'd, I'd felt like I'd been on a five-mile run. I was knackered. And that thing, and we got on the bus afterwards, and we were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And that, But that feeling, that emotion, I'm going somewhere with this, I promise, is like, it's, it's the reason we do all this, but it also reminds yeah. you just how much it matters as well. And, and as a consequence, the flip side to that was when we scored the third goal yesterday, again, my emotions were all over the show. And then as the penalty shootout started, everyone around me was cheering the shots and cheering the saves and... Got, and I was just completely, I felt like compl- almost numb to it almost. I felt like mm-hmm. I just couldn't cheer. I, I was just like, it was the most horrible feeling genuinely I think I've ever had as a football fan. Even when Newcastle got relegated, you pretty much know it's coming. You think there's a chance you might stay up on the last mm-hmm. day, but we all, we've all been there before. In this sort of game, when you're trying to win something, you've actually, you know you're quite a good side and you think, you know, you do think you've got a chance. And that feeling... I can't, I can't begin to tell you the reason I say all these things. I genuinely don't think that emotionally and physically I could, <laughs> I, I, I could deal with extra time and penalties. And I don't mean this in a flippant way. If someone said to me, you're going to lose in normal time or 
you go to penalties and you kind of roll the dice and you take your chances, you might win, you might lose. I think I would take losing in normal time just because I that feeling, I just, like, I was almost in tears yesterday. I can't imagine what it's going to be like on Sunday. So I'm going to follow your lead, Ruth, uh, in the sense that I think it'll go to extra time. But for the sake of my sanity and... Uh, and excitement levels uh, looking forward to, to Sunday. I think we'll nick it in extra time is my is my thing. And I think it will be uh, it will be a very tight game. Like I said, a 2-1 or a 1-0 or something. And I think we'll nick it in extra time is what I think in a very long-winded answer. We should, we should reference people to your blog um, on the website, Dave. Yes. Um, if folk, folks want to go to colemanhowtodream.com and then on the on the homepage you'll see a, a link to a blog called Lifeblood and it's an it's an amazing piece that, that Dave wrote about just what what football means and the friendships that it develops and the moments and the and the ups and the downs and <laughs> yesterday was a down wasn't it for you it really was yeah. it really was um, yeah, it was. Um, God, I'm getting myself quite depressed thinking about this now. Christ on a bike. Um, yeah, so um, obviously you're going to be watching at home, Ruth. I, uh, I'm going to watch it at home on Wednesday. Uh, I'm flying on Friday night uh, mm-hmm. after after work. I'm going to, you know, see me mam for for a bit of dinner on Tuesday, on Saturday, and then uh, going for some. Uh, for some liquid refreshments on Sunday before the game. So as I always say, if you see the Coleman had a dream flag, which will be coming with me, please do come and say hello. Um, I've had some nice chats with a couple of people over the over the last two trips back, which has been great. Um, and then obviously, kind of dreading and uh, wildly excited about about Sunday all at the same time. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be great. We're hoping that after the game, uh, at some point, uh, we'll be able to do kind of a, a quick instant reaction type. Uh, type thing, uh, and we can post something after the match, and, and then we'll hopefully be looking ahead to the to the two games against the Dutch, which are obviously going to be interesting ones for me, and uh, and of course the the Belgium game, which kind of rounds things off. Um, before we go, I think it's important that we also reference the end of the season for a couple of other people as well. We'll start we'll start with the sad ones of uh, of Wrexham, who've who've uh, just a wild don't, wild. Don't, I know. Don't, don't. Don't. <laughs> Wild game of football on the weekend. Uh, them losing an extra time. Um, obviously, they lost the the FA Vars. Uh, or is, is it FA Trophy? Trophy. Trophy, trophy sorry. It's, it's called these days, yeah. Um, yeah. The, the week before. So, a, a tough end to the season for, for Exxon fans. But uh, positives for Brennan Johnson, who, of course, got himself promoted. Uh, back to the well, I'll say back to the Premier League after what is it, twenty something years for Nottingham Forest back in the Premier League. So congratulations to him and congratulations to them. Um, hopefully he'll be able to bring some of that positivity uh, and excitement into uh, into what's to come. Go on. A nice nice collection of Welsh players that have got promoted from from the Championship to the Premier League this this round. Actually, when you you consider, you know, Brooks is in Brooks and more involved with with Bournemouth and Wilson and. Sort of Nico Williams with Fulham and 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 now Brennan Johnson. It'll be good to see a chunk of those getting some time in the Premier League next year. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, 
I think the the more exposure these players get to this top level, mm-hmm. the better. I don't know how much longer Brennan Johnson's going to be there. To be honest, I think he might, he may even um, move on in the summer. Um, but uh, interesting, interesting to see what happens. Nevertheless, uh, we also must finish by talking about our greatest ever player winning his fifth Champions League. L- limited involvement in this one, but still great to see Gareth Bale with the with the Champions League trophy and a and a winner's, winner's medal as well. Yep, can't can't complain about that. That's I mean, there's there's been ups and downs at Madrid, but you've just got to look at what he's got in the trophy cabinet, and you know he's had an amazing, uh, made an amazing contribution there. Pity it's ending the way it is, but uh, you know, be interesting to see what the next chapter is for him. Yeah, they did a presentation I saw the other day, uh, Real Madrid afterwards, and he did, to be fair, get a very positive response when he was mm-hmm. kind of announced to the crowd, which. It sounds an obvious thing to say, but think given how things have been at Madrid for him and how the fans have treated him, it wasn't necessarily a given. So I'm I'm glad that that happened, um, and I think it's a good way for him to finish, kind of positively finish his Real Madrid career in in every way there. So glad that that has happened for him, um, and hopefully, 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 um, he will have he will have more to cheer on Sunday. I think I'm I I'm conscious of the fact that last time we did this, we finished by worrying so if it's all the same to you Ruth I am gonna try and finish by being positive to say um and I bloody hope you'll join in um I think that the one thing we've got to remember about Sunday whatever happens is we have been on an amazing journey with these players in this team and we have got a fantastic record at home we've got a fantastic group of players and I think that a lot of these are the kind of big games we've gone into. We've either gone in as second favourites or, you know, we're not really sure what we're going to get. And I think that to have an opportunity against Scotland or Ukraine to qualify for a World Cup is an amazing opportunity. And I, and I fully expect, maybe not expect, but I fully believe that we will go ahead on, on Sunday and and do everything we can to, to get to get us there. Okay, we may not end up having the perfect result, perhaps, but I think I think we are the better team. We will be the better team against either of those, and we've just got to hope that we get the rub of the green uh, on Sunday to to get across the line and get what we kind of deserve after after what has been a, a long road to being a Wales fan, um, which is obviously at its peak these last four or five years. So, yeah, just super excited, and uh, I'm really looking forward to the game, and I and I firmly believe that we will go out and be the better team on Sunday. I think that's a great point that psychologically I think we're in a very different place than we have been in some other games um, against Scotland in particular, but some <laughs> other games that have had equal weight. I think I think there's a, a maturity, despite the somewhat, you know, we often talk about it being a young team on the field, but I think there's a maturity and a steeliness to us that perhaps wasn't there before. And I think I think you're right. I think that's going to put us in good stead. I hope so. I very much hope so. Well, there you go, Liz. Have you got anything else? Can we? Can, can we? End, can we? I'll just add a couple more bits, which are connected but unconnected, because they're nice ways to finish. I was reading that um, it looks like S4C have got the, oh, yeah. the coverage of games through 2024, which I know we were speculating on in the last pot. So that was that was great news to see that that's come through. And the best news of all is that. Uh, Dan Barden is back with the under-21 squad after his um, testicular cancer diagnosis and, and treatment and recovery. And that's that has to be the best news to, to finish the pod. 
Oh, absolutely. I missed that. That is fantastic news. I agree. Oh, that's great. I didn't see that. That is great. Well, well done to Dan Bard and, uh, and everything, everyone involved in that. Fantastic. And hopefully we will go on to see him uh, representing us for many years to come. Well, ladies and gents, if you have gone to Poland, enjoy your trip. Uh, if you are going to Cardiff on Sunday, also enjoy your trip. And I hope hopefully we'll see some of you there. Um, good luck, everybody. And, uh, and we'll be back very, very soon. Uh, to discuss what will no doubt be a seismic week in Welsh football. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for your time too, Ruth. You're welcome. Yeah. Oh, what a week. <laughs> oh, well, I'm just going to start drinking again. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and I will speak to you all soon. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye.